Hello and welcome to Keep the Bastards Honest, the podcast of the Australian Democrats. I'm your host, Alana Mitchell, and on this episode, we're contesting the Dunkley by-election. The by-election in the Victorian electorate of Dunkley was triggered by the very sad passing of Labor MP Peter Murphy in December of 2023. We pay our respects to Peter and extend our condolences to her family and friends on what must be a devastating loss. Our Parliament and Dunkley are poorer for her absence. Heath McKenzie is a long-time resident of Seaford, situated in the electorate of Dunkley. He is a qualified landscape gardener, has managed a large client portfolio for a major paint manufacturer, and is now a business development manager for a major producer of vegetable seedlings, supplying to farmers around Australia. Heath is deeply involved in the local community and his parents and extended family also live in the electorate. He is president of Morty Alux Super Rules Football Club and coaches a junior basketball team. Heath is passionate about the horticulture industry and chairs tree and shrubs growers of Victoria. He is also the Australian Democrats candidate for Dunkley in the by-election that will be held on March 2nd 2024. I rounded up Heath and our Victorian State President Leonie Green to have a chat the moment Heath was endorsed by the party to represent us in Dunkley. Heath, Leonie and I pay our respects to the traditional custodians of the lands upon which we recorded this episode and their elders past and present. Sovereignty never ceded. Guys, thank you so much for coming along. So I'm delighted to welcome back to the podcast the newly elected Victorian State President, Leonie Green, a longtime friend of the pod and a new friend to the pod, our candidate for Dunkley, Heath McKenzie. Hi, guys. G'day. Thanks for having me. By-election has been called in Dunkley, which is going to happen in a, in a very short period of time, I think on March 2nd, if memory serves. Heath, as a resident of Dunkley, do you want to take us through the sad circumstances under which this is happening? Uh, yeah, very, very sad circumstances. So Peter Murphy, who was our local member here, uh, our local Labor member in, in Dunkley, she had uh, metastatic breast cancer, I think, even well before she joined or before she won the seat of Dunkley. Uh, and unfortunately, that returned uh, a little while ago, I think just after she was voted in last time. And Peter Murphy was a, a fantastic local member. She was a really warm, compassionate person. I, I never uh, had the privilege of meeting Peter, but you know, I followed her obviously quite closely through social media and everything else that uh, you know that you do with your local member. Even I've, I've spoken to some pretty conservative voters out there, and uh, who would you know never vote for a Labor candidate, but even they they've said that they just had such a huge amount of respect for her as a person and just a really hardworking local member. And her passing is a massive loss for for the electorate and and the community not just her you know friends and family and even from a labor party point of view her her work in canberra around gambling reform was was really important and but i think whilst that's really important work i think her legacy will always be around the really good work she's done in the local community around the Frankston area, and yeah, a, a massive loss for the community. So that's um, brought on a by-election, which really was was unexpected. Oh, I was taken aback when I heard of her passing. She was in Parliament, I think, two days before she before she died. So it was, you know, she was. We knew she had cancer. Obviously, we knew we knew it had come back, and uh, she was quite open with that. But it seemed like she was doing pretty well, and uh, all of a sudden, 
yeah, I heard of her passing, which really knocked me for six, that one. So really sad, really sad circumstances. It, it, it sort of brings such a human, I guess, face to politics in that, that sort of sense because, I mean, previous by-elections generally occur because the sitting member has chosen to retire and, you know, and the, the classic, you know, spend more time with their family. And so to lose a sitting member in these circumstances is, is it's quite tough and it really, you know, probably casts a, a bit of a pall over the campaign for, for Dunkley now because if Peter sadly had, had not become ill, she'd still be out there serving her community and, and we wouldn't be talking. It's quite, quite sobering to welcome you onto the pod as our candidate for Dunkley under these circumstances. Yeah, look, it's... It is, and um, it's a hard one, isn't it? You know, you've got to try and you know be positive about what can be achieved in Dunkley, and also got to be critical of the Labor Party because that's ultimately that's that's what we're here to do is provide a positive story around the electorate and what could be, and and where the two major parties in particular are falling short in that regard. But you've got in the you know in the background this this horrible story of someone who was doing a great job, albeit for an organization that that I disagree with a lot of the policies of and, and the way they operate. So it's a it's a really tricky one to navigate. But Peter was a, a pretty fierce political person. You know, she she would stand up for what she believed in. And I know that, you know, as I say without meeting her, I'm pretty confident that, you know, she'd be pretty understanding of people's positions on these things where you've just got to have a crack politically and, and put the personal stuff to one side at some point. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me about Dunkley. It's, it, I know it covers part of Frankston and that's sort of the peninsula of, of, of Victoria. What, what's the electorate like? So we've just had uh, 30, I think, I don't know, haven't actually checked what it got to today, but 38 or 39 degree day here in Melbourne. And we have got the best beaches in Melbourne. Now, I don't want to offend you because you're from WA. I could say that, you know, we've got the best beaches in Australia, but I'm, I'm being nice to, to you as host. <laughs> the most incredible thing about Seaford is, is its beach. It's, it's an incredible beach. It's really safe for, for kids and families. I give give you a sense of the emotion around that. So I went down to Armstrong's Road Beach, which is, which is near where I live, which some of the locals would know. And there's a little winding sandy track that takes you down to the beach. And as I came over the, the hill, there's a little dog leg at the end of the track and you can't see the beach until you come around this little dog leg. And I'm just met with, and even, you know, I go there all the time, but even I was struck with it today. It was just beautiful turquoise water. It was flat. There was not a breath of wind at that time. There were boats sitting there. There's a whole lot of families playing around. There's a whole lot of those cool cabana things that everyone's got now. It was just, it kind of took my breath away there for a moment. And it just, it's moments like that you make you think, oh God, this is just such a great area. You know, there's a lot more to it. You know, we've got amazing wetlands and, you know, the people and and, and everything else. But the, the beach is obviously the um, <laughs> the, the standout performer in, in Seaford. Uh, and I think it actually has been voted as Melbourne's best beach along the way. So it's not just me being parochial it, it is actually <laughs> a pretty good one so we've got um frankston not too far away just down the Peen highway uh, that's a bustling center so we've got a decent size shopping center there in bayside with another one Karingal up the road but frankston it's a pretty vibrant center now a lot of restaurants cafes and, and a whole lot of retail and it's it's a it's a really cool place to live electorally it's kind of the tale of two cities in dunkley so where i live in uh, in seaford when i moved here about 14 years ago it was almost entirely three bedroom brick veneer houses <laughs> you know the old ugly cream brick uh not very remarkable houses but here now it's just full of families and they're renov- they're coming through and renovating the houses and everything it's, it's really changing quite a lot as i said frankston itself is quite metropolitan in some 
in some regard. Like it's quite quite busy and, and it's a great place to be. <laughs> then if you go further south of Frankston, you've got Mount Eliza, which is quite affluent, particularly as you get near the coast, you're sort of on the cliffs there. You've probably got some of Melbourne's most expensive property down there. It's it's quite incredible, big sprawling estates and some serious money going on down there. But on the other side of the coin, you've got some sort of lower socioeconomic areas in, in Frankston North and, and areas like that. And then Caram Downs and Sky, which are not as affluent as Mount Eliza, they're, they're family areas, a little bit inland. House prices have gone up there like everywhere else. But it's an interesting cross-section in that regard, there's no. I think of Goldstein, maybe where I where I grew up, or the seat of Goldstein, where I grew up, and it was a bit more consistent across the seat. This one, there's there's a real variety within the electorate and a broad range of ideas and everything else. It, it's a really interesting place. It's been marginal at state and federal level for quite a long time now. So we don't we don't want for too much in in that regard. You know, every school's got <laughs> new school halls. Um, there's one I've noticed. There's one nearly finished in Sky. You know the schools that I'm involved with have, have got new school halls. So a lot of the uh, sports grounds have got uh, new sports facilities. And even though Bridget McKenzie was here the other day, I, I can assure you, well, I can't assure you, but I imagine they weren't as a, as a part of the sports rorts. But <laughs> we're pretty well looked after on on that front. But um, yeah, it's it's a it's a pretty cool area to live. Not very multicultural, I will say. If I have to knock it in in one regard, it's it's pretty white. In Dunkley, there's <laughs> there's not much diversity in terms of racial background, but yeah, certainly still a really interesting place to live and plenty plenty to do and see. I know you and I have spoken quite a bit over the last few months in the lead up to this point, but one of the things that I'm really keen to hear a little bit more about, and I'm sure listeners are as well, is what drew you to the Australian Democrats initially? What was it that made us your party of choice? Uh, so it's an interesting one. I'm not historically like a, a political party kind of guy, right? <laughs> I'm involved in footy clubs and different sporting things and, and whatever else, but I'm not really what you'd call an atypical, you know, I wasn't, wasn't like a young liberal or a young, like it's just, you know, I've always been interested in politics, uh, but not really engaged at a party level or anything like that. But in the lead up to the 2019 election, I think it was, federal election, it was a massive Senate ticket, that old bedsheet kind of Senate ticket. And I know I was frustrated, but I'm, I'm going to go through each and every one of these and do some research. Like there's, there's some really misleading names on that Senate sheet in terms of the party names that where they try and I think they're deliberately vague and they try and trick you into voting for them. And, you know, I think, for instance, Sustainable Australia, I think, was one of the ones running. And I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. And it was nothing about sustainability. It was actually more around sustainable numbers. And whatever their argument might be, it was just different to what it sounds like. So, so I just kind of went through and, and studied the issue. I got to the Australian Democrats and I just, I liked what I saw. It was, it, it, aligned with my own views on, on a lot of fronts. It was well presented. You know, the the marketing, whoever did the marketing was really good. It was, you know, it was nice and bright. It was modern. Obviously, I'd heard of them, you know, like Natasha Stottefoyer and going back even further, I, I knew of them. But like most people, they sort of, you know, maybe don't know that it's still around or, or back. So yeah, I just really liked the what the party stood for, and it was attractive to me. So I I joined up. Well, I think I followed at that point, and then coming into the state election, you know, there was a, there was a call to arms, obviously, um, to to join the party to try and uh, list as a party for for state level. And I thought, yep, no, I'm, I really want to help out to, to to give this party the best chance at at having a crack at state level. Obviously, in Victoria. You know, things politically have been quite interesting, to say the least, with with Dan Andrews, and we, you know we've got a terrible opposition here that aren't aren't really effective as an opposition. You know, f- 
regardless of what you think about the Liberal Party, it's just as a purely as an opposition, they're they're really ineffective. And you've got, uh, and I know the word divisive is used a lot with Dan Andrews, but he is like he divides opinion quite a lot. So it was really important to try and get out of that that two party paradigm in in Victoria. So I was quite keen to ensure that the the Democrats had a crack there. So I joined up officially, and uh, yeah, that's where I suppose that's where my journey began with with the Oz Democrats. That's awesome, because and and I I think your your journey into the party mirrors a number of people's journey into the party. I mean, mine was very similar. I think Leonie, you were a past Democrats voter and, and and came back to us, and because it, it's interesting in Australia because the there is this this sort of odd divide between. People can be very, very politically engaged, but not necessarily, as you said, engaged with parties. And that final sort of step into actually signing up to, be, to a party can actually be quite a quite a big hurdle sometimes. I mean, I know that when I joined up, I spent a long time researching the Dems because I, I was only ever going to join one party and I had to make sure it was the right one. Deeply reassuring that your your journey mirrors so many of the people that I've met and, and worked closely with in the Dems. We're, I think we're incredibly fortunate to have you that, that you sort of came to us during that period of, of trying to register to be able to contest the state election and that you are now in a position to, to put your hand up for Dunkley. How did that come about? Because I know we, we did put out a call for, for nominations and, and, and yes. you know, reached out to a few people in Dunkley to see if they were interested. And you were kind of a, a last-minute nominee, as it were. I'll be honest, the I wasn't perhaps in the... The ideal phase of my life to be running as a candidate in a federal uh, by-election. <laughs> so I've only swapped jobs about three months ago, and um, I'm quite absorbed in my work at the moment. It's a you know it's a really good opportunity work-wise, and I'm I'm loving the uh, the role. And I was actually in the car on the way home from my job. It's on the other side of Port Phillip Bay for for people interstate. It's, it's you know about an hour and a half drive to work. I'm not there every day, but it's it's a bit of a hike. And I was in the car when I heard about. Uh, Peter Murphy and and I can tell you that the last thing on my mind at that point was oh you know here's a chance to run in the <laughs> in the Dunkley by election and really I'd I'd sort of dismissed it and then I got a call from Leone who's who's here with us and uh, and we it was it was interesting we were chatting for quite a while it was you know and Leone and I've obviously spoken a fair bit since and and we get along famously and like you said we we like a chat and uh, we spoke about just about everything <laughs> and I could sense that Leonie was thinking oh god I'd really like you to run here and <laughs> and I said look I just can't I just can't do this like I'm just not I've got three young kids I'm president of a footy club <laughs> um, I've just started a new job my wife works full-time as well she's got a pretty full-on job we're just busy people and I'm like I, I wish I was in a position to do this and she could see the the hurt in my heart that I couldn't run but I said I'm sorry I just can't do this and she's like just look just think about it over Christmas I say look I will but I'm telling you it's not happening and anyway I jumped on a couple of zoom calls with with the group just to help them out with some context around Dunkley and everything else and it just kept nagging away at me and uh, I speak to a friend and I was telling him, oh look you know there was an opportunity for me to do this and I was saying how I'd always wanted to do it. He, he said to me look I think you're really going to regret this if you don't do it. And I went, oh, you're killing me. Like, then I spoke to my wife and she goes, I agree. You're going to really regret this. And I said, look, and so I drummed up the courage to have a chat to our CEO at work. And I said, look, this is the situation. (laughs) I said, I know I'm only new here. I know we've got a heap of work on, but I just feel like I need to do this. And he gave me his full support, which was, was, I guess, shouldn't have been unexpected because he's a great guy, but... (laughs) And then I, I yeah, that, that's when I rang Leone and, you know, we spoke and, and she was obviously fairly chuffed that we had a local candidate to throw in there. And from my point of view, it is something I've, you know, I guess I've, you know, I'm engaged with politics. It's something I've always had in the back of my mind that I'd like to do one day. 
I just didn't think it would be as soon as this, and uh, it it's kind of it's kind of happened pretty quick. I'll be honest. You've got to be a certain type of person to walk around the suburbs with a giant poster of your own face and nail it up to a tree. And I don't necessarily can consider myself that sort of person. And yet here I am in that situation, you know, looking at uh, photos of my face on flyers and how to vote cards is going to be a kind of a a weird experience for me, but I'm rolling with it uh, and I'm enjoying the experience. One thing that struck me is just this is all the hidden stuff with a political party is the people behind the scene. And, you know, we had a good catch up with a few of us the other day here in Seaford. And, you know, it's just you see the the passion in people and how hard they work for these things. And that's what's really struck me so far is just that dedication and we're just normal with some of the the wacky parties out there it's just nice there's nothing wrong with normal you know what i mean it's nice to just have some normal people in politics because it can get a bit full-on and politics attracts a certain type of person sometimes and it's just nice we're sitting around going isn't it nice just to be normal people and talking about normal things and that's that's really been my experience of the democrats so far really really enjoyed the process it's going to be a full-on month i have no doubt, and I'm I'm not unaware of what I've got myself into, but it's it's a pretty cool opportunity, and I'm thankful to the Democrats that, that they've allowed me and given me the the opportunity to do it. I was just thinking back to the conversation that we had late last year, and I I remember having this moment in time of going, not only are you a normal person, which is you are one of us, <laughs> we've alluded to a few times, um, I know in this podcast, the alignment between what's happening from uh, the independent movement um, at a local level and that engagement and real recognition of what an electorate is about and and representing that electorate and being very beholden to that electorate but also um, being very principled and the things that they're standing for are often very similar to what we're driving for or striving for in the Senate. And what I felt like I was listening to in our conversation, Heath, was a Democrats local member. I heard everything that I would want from a local member. And the fact that you are a Democrat was just ridiculously exciting to me. So the connection to the community, your understanding of your community, your passion for your community, all of those things just really jumped out to me, hence my excitement. And it's quite funny hearing you retelling that story because it was very much me kind of going, oh, this is, I don't <laughs> want the conversation to end in this way. It's got to be a just, just keep thinking about it. It's joyful to have had you put your hand up and for your community, for your electorate to have the opportunity to vote for you as a local member who many of them will know, but also for an Australian Democrat person to be on that ballot is super exciting to me. It's all about electorates have been missing. Hmm. Um, so really, really excited and so humbled that, that you have put your hand up actually, Heath, but also really conscious of what that involves for you over the next month, given everything that you're juggling. <laughs> so very, very grateful as well. After my wife sort of said, oh, yeah, I think you're going to regret it if you don't do it. And then I rang her and she goes, are you going to do it? And I said, yes. She goes, oh, that's awesome. That's fantastic. And then she goes, so tell me what's involved. And I was like, oh, God, I really should have run through this first. Anyway, she's she's still on board and, and very excited, which is great. That's awesome. We could that's run a awesome. campaign of like, you know, vote one, Cass McKenzie's husband. <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's, uh, no, she, she's excited. And, and, you know, I've already 
in case so you know we just did our sister's place before and i'm like right this is what you're gonna do i'm gonna <laughs> drop off a box of flies you're gonna be doing this <laughs> she lives in frankston so i'm like right you're gonna do this and we haven't really broadcast it too widely at this point but the people we have told are, are really excited which is nice and leonie and i as, as former senate candidates can tell you that these opportunities never crop up when it's convenient is is the brutal reality and yep. you just have to take them when they come up and I mean, I, I think everyone both in the party and outside the party and those listening would, would relate to you as being an incredibly busy person because it, it seems like everybody is right now. And it's amazing how busy people can restructure their lives to take on even more duties, you know, on either a temporary or permanent basis. So, and then mostly it's only going to be like a four week campaign. So it's not going to be too hard. Like it's going to be, you know, brief, but very intense. Thankfully, you know, I think you're going to have a, a really strong team behind you. And, 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 you know, thank you for pointing out that it's like, it's not just you as the candidate that does all this, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's certainly not. And that's, and look, you know, there's some messages flying. And again, because this is so last minute, well, not last minute, but because I kind of dragged the chain here and I, I've sort of you know, apologized to people. Like, I'm sorry, I couldn't commit to this earlier. It's just, you know, I just really wasn't in a position to do it. But obviously that's meant that all of a sudden it's like, okay, we've got a lot to do in a short space of time. And and so there's messages flying around with sort of, you know, action items lists, okay, this person's doing this. And to see how many names are on there and obviously the Zoom meetings we've been in and it's you start to get a picture of, okay, there's there's a lot there's a lot to do here in a short space of time, but there's a, a really committed group of people behind it. That's one thing I like is is when I kind of said, Yeah, I'm gonna do it, I could I could see that kind of the the sparkle in the eyes of a whole lot of people going, Okay, this is pretty cool, you know, this is yeah. and it's, and it means a lot to them and, and so I'm under no illusion that that it's even as I say, even though it's my head going up on the core flutes on the fence and whatever. This is much bigger than just me and I'm happy that I can bring, you know, obviously some of that local context around being in the area a long time, all my family, my friends. It's funny, I was talking, you know, thinking today about, you know, the the different things that people think about in this area and I'm like, well, I have, I, I'm in conversation with people all the time in this in this electorate, you know, and, and so I've got a good feel for that and that's been helpful, I think, for, this, for the Democrats obviously mm-hmm. going through and trying to tap into what matters to the people of this area. So I've been pretty lucky to be able to feel useful in that regard. Regulators will know that we chose not to contest the Aston by-election for the simple fact that we did not have a Heath McKenzie in Aston to be able to run for us, and and it was a painful decision. But we, it was one of those again, it was one of those principled things where it's like, well, we 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 could run someone who lives outside the electorate who who doesn't have any connection to or, or roots in the electorate. But is that really? who we are and 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 you know it, it's a bit of a can can we really go to the, go to the people of Aston and, and and say yes you know we want to be able to represent you if we're running somebody who doesn't have that connection and so it was it was a painful decision but I feel it was the right one but you know you putting your hand up and being almost the post child for you know local democrat candidate has I think has really demonstrated the integrity behind the decision not to run an Aston, painful as it was, and why running you in, in Dunkley is such a no-brainer and, and such a such a brilliant opportunity, not just for the Democrats, but I think for the people of Dunkley, because it's so important, I think, the, the media will focus on Dunkley as this two-horse race between, you know, Labor and Liberal, and will Labor lose a seat? Will Liberals begin their resurgence back to back to the Treasury benches, you know, in Dunkley and all that sort of nonsense? But really it comes down to Dunkley as a community and having someone who understands and connects with that community and 
is willing to step up and represent that community at, at the highest levels. And from a Democrat's perspective, you know, as, as a national party and this being a federal state, like the effort behind you stretches across the country. It's not just that, the, you know, obviously you have a, a large and vibrant and, and, you know, tireless core of people in Victoria who are helping you out. But the Democrats as a whole are going to come behind you and help you out as well. And that's incredibly exciting for us as a party as a whole. It's not just a Victorian thing. Yeah, it's, and the, the point you touched on there around what this means for, for the people of Dunkley, <laughs> um, maybe I, was, I should have known this, but it, this is going to be my sixth uh, election that I'm voting in Dunkley, right? I just had to go back and check that I had the maths right. So, yeah, in six, or this will be the sixth, and we haven't quite figured out who's in this one because, you know, enrolments haven't closed uh, haven't closed just yet. But certainly in the previous five, and I, I even went back to confirm this, I went and had a look at the previous um previous candidates in those elections but i've i've never looked at that ticket and thought okay there's a no-brainer i'm going to put a one in that box i've never felt as if there's someone there that represents my values my priorities that is in alignment with what i want to see the country uh, look like and the direction i want the country to go in and, and yes there's things around local issues um, you know, there's also the personality politics as well. As I say, Peter Murphy was a, a tremendous candidate and, and and a really good local member, but ultimately she was a Labor member and, and Labor have disappointed so many people over such a long period of time where they talk a big game and, and don't go through it. And we've, we've obviously seen that on, you know, the, the uh, transparency around political donations that they've said they're going to do something about and there's no action. They're, they're, the list goes on, right? There's a whole lot of things where... They talk a big game, but they just let us down. And and on the other side, you've you know you've got the libs who and the lib nats who who don't even pretend to be good people these days. You know they're just um, you know they like to talk a big game on the economy, but they they didn't even get that right in nine mm. years. So I, I just every every election would come around and you look at it and go, there's just it did nothing there for me. Hopefully for the people at Dunkley, they look at it this time and go, okay. There's a normal bloke. And, and, you know, as I said, I know a fair few people in the electorate and maybe a few of them will, you know, swing a vote my way because, you know, they know me and hopefully like me and and whatever. But hopefully the people of, of Dunkley look at it and go, okay, here's someone who's a pretty normal bloke. A massive point here is that we're, there's, like I said before, there's nothing wrong with normal. We've had some really kooky candidates in this electorate. I don't know. I don't know if it's every electorate. <laughs> I don't know if we're special in this regard. We've had some some real crackpots. And if people don't want to vote for one of the major parties, if they can have a safe, centrist, moderate option and, and a local one, you know, as I say, I'm quite heavily involved in the community. Hopefully that will resonate. But I, I think that's really important for the people of, of Dunkley. And mm-hmm. and uh, look, for me personally, this might sound a bit arrogant, but I'm I'm just really glad I can finally put a, a one in a square and feel good about it because I just there's 5% informal vote in Dunkley. Now, 5% doesn't sound much, but that's like five or 6,000 people. Who who look at that ballot paper and don't give anyone their vote? Nothing mm-hmm. resonates for them. And if we can, and it's not about just capturing those, but if it's if you look at it from a personal level, we want those people to have someone to vote for, you know. And and I don't know, they might have a range of views. Those five thousand, but hopefully they look at it and go, okay, now there is someone I can vote for, and that's that's a massive thing in any in any election, I think. I just want to jump in on this point about what normal is, right? Because normal is such a, it's probably a pretty loaded term in some ways, right? But for want of a better term, normal is what keeps coming up for me. And it kind of feels like it's the person who is not trying to be a politician and not aspiring to be a politician, but actually just going about life and wanting better and 
offering some variety in what a politician can be so that it's not a because I feel like for a little too long we have had too many career politicians and too many of same 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 in a different kind of normal way <laughs> so it, it's kind of like it's it's a normal person rather than a normal politician that excites me and that's the bit that I think we are starting to see tested and changed in our I hope we are starting to see tested and changed in our politics because we are starting to expect more from a local candidate perspective. And again, that's, I guess, what excited me, Heath, when we first um, spoke about this potential of, of stepping up in Dunkley. But on that note, I, I wonder whether you could tell us a little bit about you as a human being, as a normal person, whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. But what has led you up to this point that has you feel like actually there is great value in what you would bring also to this role, um, not just from a local connection perspective, but from a, an experience, life experience perspective? Uh, there's a bit of a joke among my friends. You know, I think when I decided to take on coaching the my son's under-8s basketball team, one of, one of the other parents who's a good mate of mine, I said, oh, yeah, I'm going to coach. And he goes, oh, of course you are, because you don't say no. <laughs> That's why I took on being president of a footy club. And there's a party on, we'll go, yeah, and no, I will make it work. You know, if there's something, yeah, yeah, we'll come along. Yeah, we'll go away for the weekend. Yeah, okay, we'll make it work. <laughs> we're pretty social, you know, my wife and I and, and the kids, we're pretty social social people. And we, we like being around other people. Seaford's a great place for that. You know, I, I grew up uh, further up. Um, towards the city in a, in a suburb called Hampton. And a lot of our friends here were sort of grew up around that area. And of course, you know, talk about housing affordability, there was no way we were affording a house up in Bayside, <laughs> any of us. So we sort of gravitated further and further down the bay until we uh, until we landed on a, a house we could afford all those years ago. And so, you know, there's, there's a core group of us here and there's that thing, you know, it's just this ongoing joke. You guys just need to learn to say no, you keep getting yourselves into these situations. And ultimately, I don't take myself too seriously. You know, I like to have a a bit of a laugh and you know maybe that drives my wife nuts sometimes that I can't be too serious at times but I I like those engagements with people I like the lighter side of life and you know hopefully this process doesn't beat that out of me I've got to try and show a bit of my personality in this I suppose but there is a time where you need to kind of put your big boy pants on and and have big boy conversations so that that's going to be interesting to see how that works the other thing is you know i touched on my new job earlier you know the company i work for grow hundreds of millions of vegetable seedlings a year and we supply them all over the country and i've had some really interesting discussions in a whole lot of different parts of that side of the industry over the last few months and i was out in sort of not outback queensland but in rural queensland i've been to all different parts of victoria over the last little while talking to to vegetable farmers and there was a report the other day that we were looking at through work that and this is great that australians are eating more veggies than they were this time last year. That's fantastic. But the amount of money going to farmers is well lower than it was this time last year. They're doing it tough. And this just keeps coming up. Every conversation we're having, you know, they're selling farm equipment. One guy was selling, you know, he had this 2005 Monaro that he absolutely loved, right? And he was selling it because he had to pay his staff. We need these farmers. And we've got to do something and I'm and that's when I see something like that I'm like okay I've just got to put my hat in the ring I can't I'm just not seeing any action on that when we've got the nationals that's their whole platform is regional Australia and they're just not effective in this and I just feel like they're really dropping the ball there and you know Murray Watt who's I think the federal agriculture minister he's just got such a poor reputation out there you know and he's a bit of a ribbon cutter he's happy to go along if he thinks there's a bit of a photo op but he's just got no interest in that sector and that's the feedback I keep getting time and time again and you know as I say Labor like to talk a big game on this stuff but they're really not 
helping the situation and then people are dropping out you know we've had some bad storms up around that lockyer valley and the granite what we call the granite belt up in queensland and even down here in vic and it's just wiping farmers out and they're looking at it going do i want to rebuild and work my guts out seven days a week and not make money no like why would i restart this venture and they're walking away from their farms and you go at what point do we see the importance of these issues i look at those things and it's not like i'm a, a you know a warrior for these issues or anything like that i just kind of go I'm sick of being frustrated about it. You know, we need to we need to tackle these things, and and all you see is a tit for tat between the two majors. We can do better than this. It's ultimately, that's the sort of stuff that makes me tick, and that's why I thrown my hat in the ring and I've got to get busy putting bloody core flutes on trees now. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but it's a means to an end, isn't it? It's like that's the stuff you got to do to try and make a make a difference in this space. Yeah. But I, I think in that you you've just encapsulated perfectly why politics is not a spectator sport, which we've said a number of times in the podcast in the past. But, you know, the media and the electorate decries the professionalisation of politics and there's this this assembly line of people who go from student politics at uni to being a staffer to being a branch president to being a candidate to eventually becoming a minister. And they have no lived experience outside of politics and you can see it in in the quality of the politics that we're subject to now. And what one thing I've sort of learned over the last twelve or eighteen months as we come out of the pandemic, the concept of evidence and and science is itself being contested. And I think the, it highlights the need for people to step up. It's no longer enough. I mean, I, again, I've said this before. That it's no longer enough to, for us to sit there and shout at the TV. We have to be the change they want to be. And Coming back to what you're saying about like, you will finally be excited about putting a one in a box on the ballot paper and you're not a narcissist because it's going to be against your name. <laughs> you know? I, I but, hope that's the day I came across. It's no, just, no, 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 not at all. It's just, but yeah. It, it is providing that opportunity and providing that option to people. I mean, the joy of our preferential voting system is that the good people of Dunkley can vote one for Cass McKenzie's husband, but then they can put the major party of their choice second. And if you don't get elected, then their, their vote won't be exhausted. It will go to mm. the major party of their choice and the major party candidate will probably be elected. But at least they put that stake in the ground and said, actually, no, I, I want a third option. I want a pillar of the community who I relate to and who is angry on my behalf and is willing to go out there and represent what's important to the community of Dunkley. And it's really tough because it, it's people like you who, because you are rational and you're a very busy person and, you know, all that sort of thing, like, you know, it's people like you who talk themselves out of doing stuff like this because it's a whole thing of like, what possible difference can I make? And it's like, you're making a massive difference just by putting your name on the ballot paper. Politics, sadly, is, is it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And, and political activism, it's a slow grind. And as you would know from being the president of a footy club, it's a lot of tedious admin. You know? <laughs> 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 yeah. reality. You know? mm. <laughs> but it, it's, it's the, the first step in changing the country is for people like yourself to put your hand up. And if enough of us do it, then, you know, we'll get there. Oh, look, it's great. I just, you know, it's this pushback. And one thing that's, it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out over the next month. But we've have obviously had in the last few days, we've had the opposition leader and the prime minister all over this electorate, right? They've been, I think Leonie and I were talking about it the other day, the nodding heads. It's just a sea of nodding heads behind whoever's talking. 
they've been all over the place. And then you hear Tutton's coming out talking about small modular reactors again. Now, evidence-informed policy that the Democrats have, they wouldn't sprout that because they know it's the most expensive form of energy generation. It's not what we need. And and you know what? It's it's also not what we need in Dunkley. Like it's 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 not going to resonate with anyone. Why you why you right? It's just his little kind of pet project that he wants to see off the ground. But if you strip it back and go, okay, why are they doing this? Like we, it, it might be down to political donations. It might be down to his own personal ideology or whatever it is. But you just we need someone in there who, who it, the evidence informed side of it is really critical because yes, it takes some of the the lunatic kind of stuff out of it, but it's. It means we'll get to a better place, you know, and and we need some consensus across the two parties or across the whole spectrum, a little bit on which way we go. But it's a little bit frustrating in that regard, and and that's why it's kind of nice to come here and be maybe a little bit of a circuit breaker on that and kind of bring a rationality to the to the discussion. But who knows? We'll wait and see what the next month has in store. Because it kind of comes back to two majors seem to be going down this tit for tat of ideology versus actual outcomes. And it's not in the sense of, you know, what's in it for the people of Dunkley. It's as as our elected representative, how are you going to further tangible outcomes for Dunkley? And the opposition leader and the Prime Minister can't articulate that, then kind of in trouble. And that's it. And we just need a little bit of sensibility to the discussion. And I think that's, and I'm not just talking about myself, I think that's Australian Democrats and the way they operate. That's that's why we're here, you know, and it's it's really important at this point in time in politics more broadly that we can still be passionate about whatever cause we're into. But sometimes you've, there's, you need a bit of civility, a bit of calm, rational, um, as I say, evidence-informed policy that just, that looks at a much longer time frame. You know, let's look into the future, not just what's going to get us votes quickly in the short term. So let's see. We'll see how much cut through that has in this uh, in this by-election. What I found interesting about your, your description of Dunkley, apart from the fact that it is very white and uh, not super diverse, but it, you know, in, in terms of, I guess, the demographic and sort of economic uh, shading of, of Dunkley, it is kind of like a microcosm of the country as a whole in some ways. Yeah. What are the issues that are important to Dunkley at the moment? Obviously, we've had a huge thingy about, you know, cost of living and, and tax reform and everything, but like, is any of that resonating in Dunkley? Yeah, I think you're being generous by calling the stage three tax cuts tax reform. Because, um, <laughs> yeah, I think I think that will certainly play a part in this election. It's interesting. Like, there's a lot of talk about, uh, and, the, and and most of the coverage I've seen around Dunkley in this by-election is around the broken promise, right? It's those three words, the broken promise. I'm okay with a broken promise from a politician if it's in the best interests of the country. Like, at some times, circumstances change and you've got to change. My issue with that one is that they went along with it for a long time, knowing it was the it was not the right balance, right? So it's not that they've broken it now; it's that we went along with it in the first place, right? You know, the broken promise is going to have a, a bit of a resonance in this in this electorate, but I think it's just that overall message of people are doing it really tough. The cost of living is is a massive issue in Dunkley. I mean, as I mentioned, we've got some affluent people. The cost of living isn't really going to concern them too much. If anything, you know, the fact that interest rates have gone up, if you're lucky enough to have a bit of money in the bank, you might actually start getting interest on some of your savings in there, which is a good thing for those people that have got it. And, you know, we need to be careful not to attack those who are aspirational and have done well for themselves. That's that's fantastic. But the gap is widening. I don't think there's any contest, contest that it's it, the gaps widening between the people at 
at the bottom end who are just working their bums off trying to make it through and the people who have perhaps you know set themselves up nicely have got investments that are ticking along and whatever else so the cost of living one is a big one a lot of families that has you know ties into the housing affordability so when i moved here obviously houses were a lot cheaper but if you've just moved to this area not too long ago you've paid a lot of money even in even in my area in seaford you've paid a lot of money for that house and as i said there's a lot of families so we've got a lot of single income families here where the mum might be on um on or the dad but generally the mum will be on parental leave so it definitely has an impact their mortgage will be up there because they've paid a lot for their house It's, it's it's gone up a lot so that's definitely one that's that's going to resonate in this election campaign. Interestingly, I, I got the fly from Labor the other day and it's going through you know, cost of living and all this. It's like, you guys are in power. Why are you campaigning on this? Like this whole thing, is, you know, and Liberal can't even do it either because like this is all on your watch. You know, a lot of these, we had really low interest rates coming out of the pandemic and, and a bit of um, uh, latent capital. I think there, there's a term, there's a lot of money sitting around that that people had. And so when we could, you know, all of a sudden we came out of out of the pandemic and we're traveling and we're, you know, spending a bit of money and whatever else. And that's caused this this inflation. And so for them to be campaigning on that, it's like, well, you're not doing anything about it now. Why should we believe you're going to do anything about it into the future? So I, you know, I think that's a big one in this election is environmental issues are big down here. We've got a beautiful beach, you know, we've got beautiful beaches here. We've got the magnificent Port Phillip Bay. We've got internationally significant wetlands that stretch all the way sort of from Edith Vale, which is not in this electorate, but all the way through to Seaford. People are really concerned about climate change. That's definitely one, in, particularly in the younger people of this electorate, they're, they're concerned about climate change. They want to see something real happening. We've seen that Labor just keep approving mining projects and, and everything else. So I think people are getting frustrated with that. Absolutely. So, you know, I'd like to see some movement on that. Education, heap of families in this in this whole electorate, but, you know, particularly in my area here, the schools that I'm associated with, uh, they're, they're not bursting at the seams just yet, but they're they're getting pretty. They're getting pretty full, you know. Mm. So, got a lot of friends who are teachers, and they're really tired. <laughs> they're, they're just. They're really tired. They're 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 kind of doing it tough, you know. On the health front here, we're we're okay. We've got a, a big hospital upgrade happening in in Dunkley uh, to the Frankston Hospital. We've got a couple of good uh, private hospitals. So, you know, there's a lot happening in health. We've been a marginal electorate for a long time, so we, we've done okay in that regard. You know, when you hear stories of particularly sort of the western suburbs of Melbourne, where there's one hospital. That services massive areas and, and a massive massive growth region you know you're talking one hospital that services the whole thing so we need to be realistic that probably in that regard we're doing okay uh, renewable energy things like that i mean now this there are some intelligent people here that know we need to be doing more in that regard to to move towards renewable energy it's obviously been a big thing down here with that i can't remember what they call it but there's the big wind project that was due to happen off the south sort of the bass coast and running up through western port and they've knocked it on the head because of the damage it was going to do to to western port which is only really 15 or maybe 20, 20, 25 minutes away from here. Those sort of things are are, are definitely going to be, you know, in people's minds when they're going to the ballot box. The interesting thing, as I said before, there's there's a lot of media around Dunkley. There's national coverage of this. This is a big by-election and it's going to have big ramifications. If this goes poorly for Peter Dutton, he's going to really feel the heat. Likewise, if this goes poorly for Anthony Albanese, it's another erosion of the the pillar that he stands upon and he can't cop that for too much longer. Obviously, the voice, that was really a big thing for him, losing that. You know, he really wanted that to get up and, and that was a, a bit of a win for Peter Dutton, obviously. He just can't handle too many of them. So, it's it's got national significance for the people of Dunkley. We'll just see how much that broken promise that I started with, we'll see how much that plays into it 
and whether or not in a month's time the media cycle has moved on to something else. But it, it shapes up to be a really interesting campaign, I think. It is. It's going to be super fascinating. And so many of the issues that are impacting the people at Dunkley are issues that the Democrats are very passionate about. So we're in the process of reviewing and updating a number of our policies, number one of which is our affordable housing policy. We took a gambling reform policy to the 2022 elections. So you know, if, if you were to be elected, you would obviously then carry on Peter's work in, in, in that space, which I think is absolutely crucial. And I was saying off air that we've been working on our defence pl- uh, platform uh, and sort of reviewing that and updating that because a lot has happened in defence since the 2022 election. And it may not necessarily be intrinsic to Dunkley's interests, but we we're discussing how Peter Dutton's talking about uh, small and medium reactors. I've been consulting with um, Previous guest on the podcast, uh, Jason Lambright, who's a retired uh, army captain from the US and getting sort of like a US perspective on on uh, defence. And his response to AUKUS was, well, you guys have committed to buying nuclear submarines, but you have no nuclear infrastructure <laughs> in your country. Yeah. And nuclear submarines are like they you know they're not a plug and play kind of toy like you 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 know you, there's a level of expertise and infrastructure that you need to be able to look after and maintain them. And yeah. that can then obviously then gets extended out to, to the domestic nuclear industry and in that we don't have one. You know? yeah. <laughs> so, you know, the opposition's in, in, in intransigence on renewable energy means that we're just not getting the headway that we need to, to make a decision on how we're going to power the country for the, the next generation and just commit to that because, you know, the coalition will return to power like we, we know from the, the previous nine years of their rule that they will do absolutely everything in their power to dismantle you know, the renewable energy industry in this country in order to extend the lives of fossil fuels. And the, 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 the idea that you can have small and medium reactors, like they're, they're, they're not sort of cute little plug-and-play modular reactors that are somehow safer and easier to manage than gigantic reactors – yeah, same you still need that. that, that yeah. <laughs> you still need same, that same technology, same know-how. Yeah, um, they're just yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And, and even look and touching on the, the gambling reform. So, you know, as I said, Peter was Peter Murphy was doing some uh, excellent work on that front, and it's it's a little bit of a um, an important one for me. As I said, I, I run a footy club. We historically had uh, revenue coming in, gambling revenue. I suppose we, we were associated with a pub, and there was there was some money coming in, and and that's not happening anymore. And I've I've been clear that as long as I'm president, I don't really want that money coming in. I think we we, we can be stronger as as a club without being reliant on money that's coming from the community from people who probably can't afford to lose that money <laughs> and and so I've sort of said I don't want that and I see the damage that it does to people I you know I, I have a great loathing of those pokies that are everywhere you know we were we recently um for work I went up to Achukamoama we were commenting on how when I was growing up the Murray was this massive region it was pokey tourism right everyone would just go across the border play the pokies and you know have a great weekend and and whatever and, and that's fine, but then obviously the Victorian government went, oh, we can make a bit of money out of this. Why don't we have – and then it spread like a disease throughout this state and now we're we're paying for the, the ramifications uh, of that and they're costing the communities billions of dollars a year in, in ripping it out of people, usually the most vulnerable 
members of the community. Peter Murphy was doing great work, but we haven't seen enough action on this. You can have a report, a review, a royal commission, you can call it what you want. Until you actually make some changes here, you're going to get called out. And that's the role of organisations like the Australian Democrats and others, whether it's the Greens or whoever else, we need to call that out and say, okay, guys, you gave us some sound bites. You said you were doing it. You have the CEO of Sportsbet there and you're tearing to pieces. Ultimately, they're still functioning exactly as they were, right? And so there's a, there's a lot that's got to happen there. And, and I hope that we can be part of making that happen. Yeah, I think there's a very strong sort of constructive role that independents, minor parties can play both in the upper and lower houses of, of both federal and state parliaments and contributing to a nudging legislation in the right direction. And, and uh, you know, as we said on previous podcasts, helping whoever happens to be in government to do their homework properly. So, And, that, and that's a big one, you know, and, and let's be honest, the Australian Democrats don't have the same resources as the major parties when it comes to this stuff. And yet we're able to kind of build a, a pretty good picture of what's required and and you've got to ask yourself with all those resources surely they can come up with something better than you know because we ain't buying what they're supplying at the moment we spoke earlier about the informal vote there's enough people out there who are kind of going no no i'm sorry you're, you're not capturing my imagination here you don't deserve yeah. my vote it can't just be going around splashing cash on a train line that you know i found this really interesting you know peter dutton was here the other day and there's this 900 million dollar train line and i thought isn't this incredible He's that good. He can build a train line from opposition because even if they win this by-election, he's still in opposition and he ain't going to get that. And, and it requires state funding and it requires a whole lot of stuff. Why even go to the – like people are just going to pick that. I hope the media really pull that apart and say, well, hang on a minute. How are you going to do this when you're, you're still in opposition? This this mm-hmm. is just a by-election, mates. Got me baffled. So, And the, the, obviously there's a role to play for the media to, to ensure that we're pulling all of them up on this. But they've got all these resources. Can't we come to the table with a little bit more than small modular reactors and a train line that's already been proven doesn't stack up at the moment and you're in opposition? Okay, go away. Come back when you've got something a little bit more substantial and then people hope, you know, might take you a bit more seriously. Unfortunately, you know, combined, they might still get their 70% of the primary vote because there are enough people that just tick the box. But mm-hmm. I really hope that as a party and, and and even some of the minor, you know, to pick, we'll see who eventually who's at play in this election. But hopefully we can all kind of have a bit of an impact there where we go, okay, let's actually get the electorate thinking about this and, and what they can do to bust up this this little merry-go-round we're on at the moment. And I'm an eternal optimist and I, I can only hope that that's how it's going to play out. I love how you think. Leonie, as our Victorian state president, how can Democrats listeners and Democrats members across the country get behind Heath and help him out in the Dunkley by-election? So I'm going to go slightly broader again, Alana, because we might have listeners who aren't yet members. So if you are a listener and not yet a member, it's time to sign up. So you can go to our website and sign up as a member and join the party because if this is if you're listening to this conversation and you are hearing the things that you want to hear in politics, then this is the party that you want to be a part of. So join us as a member. For those listeners who are members, if you are in Victoria, we need all the help we can get. If you are um, anywhere near the Dunkley area, let us know if you are keen to come and help us on pre-polls or on polling day itself on the 2nd of March. If you're keen to do a walk somewhere 
around uh, Dunkley and do some letterboxing for us, that would also be awesome. So you will hear from us in Victoria if you are already a member anyway, as we go through the process of filling out rosters of volunteers that we need. But if you're keen for that, be ready for that call or that email. And um, we'd love to have your assistance on that front. Anyone who's not immediately able to be on the ground in Victoria or anyone around the country who's listening to this conversation and wants to be a part of the Dunkley by-election, we need money. So fundraising is a critical part of any campaign. We rely on people actually listening to us and aligning with us and feeling like they actually want to be part of what we have to say as well. And it costs money to run campaigns. Sadly, if only it didn't, that would be great, but it does. Each call flute costs money, each post poster costs money, each how to vote card that we hand out on polling day that costs money as well. So every little bit counts and every little bit helps. So if you want to support the campaign in that way, that is also um, tremendously valuable to us. So again, all of this is available on the website. And if you are already a member, you will see these comms coming through as well. So if you're a listener but not a member, join up. If you're a listener and not a member and you want to join the campaign by fundraising or helping to uh, support the campaign, you can do that too. But join us. Join us as a member and members, please help us out uh, through this campaign. As you can hear from the conversation today, there's a lot of energy and excitement about having Heath step up in Dunkley as a local candidate and um, so beautifully aligned with who we are and how we operate as a party. So it'll be really exciting. It's going to be a big four weeks ahead of us, um, but exciting and let's do it together. It's been such a joy to speak to both of you and thank you so much for coming on and, and telling us your story, Heath. No, thank you and thank you to both of you because, as I said, it's a, it's a great opportunity. It, you know, it's a daunting process but it's it's not one that I'm um, going into blindly. It's one that I, I feel is really important to probably get it out of my system as well, some of the frustration of the vacuum of, of good ideas out there but also just an important one for the Democrats to be part of this process and I'm incredibly enthusiastic about the impact we can have over the next little while and it's been great to come on and have a chat and it's a big time. I'm really excited about the, the group of people we've got and what we can achieve and just to kind of echo what Leonie was saying, any, any help that can come from the broader membership base or the general public who hear something that they think aligns with their own values yet, yeah, obviously it's really important to get that support uh, from the from the broader community. So anything you can do to help, I'd certainly appreciate it. And I know the whole Australian Democrats team would too. Heath has hit the ground running in his campaign for Dunkley in the last week, and we've had an incredibly positive response to his candidacy in the electorate. If you want to keep up to date on Heath's campaign, you can visit our website at democrats.org.au or follow Heath's candidate page on Facebook. I'll put a link in the show notes. Our social media team will also have updates across all of our social media channels. Just search for Australian Democrats on your social media platform of choice. If you want more Heath McKenzie content, I've also provided a link to an interview he did with Channel 6 News, the news service founded and run by Australian high school students. As Liani said, the Democrats are funded entirely by our members and supporters. We don't receive government funding or have any major donors, so to be competitive against the legacy parties in this campaign, we need your help. If you'd like to support Heath's campaign, you can join us, donate to us, or both. Both is good. As always, there are links in the show notes. 
If you live in Victoria and would like to help out with letterboxing, door knocking, or handing out how to vote cards on election day, email us at info at democrats.org.au. Heath Leone and the rest of his campaign team will be thrilled to hear from you. And if you live in the electorate of Dunkley and you're due to vote on March 2nd, 2024, vote one, Cass McKenzie's husband. Keep the Bastards Honest is brought to you by the Australian Democrats. This episode was edited and produced by me, Alana Mitchell. If you'd like to keep in touch, you can find us on Facebook, the platform formerly known as Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, Threads, Blue Sky, Spoutable, YouTube and TikTok by searching for Australian Democrats. And you can see what we stand for, what we value and what our policy positions are at our website at democrats.org.au. Email us at info at democrats.org.au. Until next time, thanks for listening.